What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Seated by my side is Eric Eggers, the co-host. He is the vice president here at the Government Accountability Institute and author of the 2018 book, Voter Fraud. You know, I think it's really funny how you always seem to bring up my book that came out four <laughs> years ago. Uh, and it did highlight many vulnerabilities and shortcomings, both in terms of election integrity and incentive structure issues that helped them being exploited. But it's just funny you kind of bring it up all the time. Well, why is it funny that I bring it up? I well, don't get it. I hate to say this because now I think you've officially mentioned my book on this podcast more often than the number of people who actually have read it. Well, I'm sorry, but does that bother you? No, I'm obviously over it. I'm definitely, <laughs> no, I'm clearly not over it. Uh, lots of internal scarring and trauma. Uh, but as I like to do, I like to put things in a charitable frame, look yep. at things in a positive way. My own brokenness allows me to have a certain level of empathy ah. for other people that write or do, I think, notable things that don't get the attention uh, and acclaim they deserve. And I think that's actually something that's happened recently. Oh, that's that's amazing. So this has had a humbling effect. This is good because you do need humbling. And we're going to talk today. Oh, the free market humbled me. <laughs> <laughs> And today we are going to talk about a really interesting subject. We talk about conflict of interest all the time, right? Yeah, uh -huh. And when you think of conflict of interest and you think of corruption in Washington, D.C., you think of the lobbyist. You think of the guys with the cigar-filled rooms in the back room, the guy in the in the nice expensive suit, the politician who is grifting, who's getting his family members hooked up. We're going to talk about conflict of interest in a little different sort today in Washington, D.C. We're going to talk about people in white lab coats. Uh, we're going to talk about people that are part of the scientific establishment that guide our healthcare policy and the issue of conflict of interest as it applies there. And not just people in white lab coats, but also Chinese pig farmers. So it's important <laughs> that we remember that we're talking about both entities. And, and they're connected. And they are connected. And that's the key. How is you know people in white lab coats and a Chinese pig farming company connected? And the answer is hundreds of millions of dollars. That's right. That's exactly right. We're going to look at two separate uh, parts of it today. The first one is the flow of money uh, that is going into uh, the scientific medical establishment and the effect that that might have had on some very important decisions that were made early on during COVID, specifically the question of the origins of this lab leak. We're going to sort of dissect and look at the flows of money from this sort of sketchy Chinese company to Harvard Medical School. And and then the second part, we're going to discuss the issue of royalty payments. A lot of people don't realize this. Anthony Fauci and, and others like Francis Collins will stand up and say, well, I'm a government employee. I'm here as part of the you know public service, which may or may not be true. You can give them the benefit of the doubt. But a lot of people don't realize those guys are actually getting royalty payments. So they are funded by the federal government. 
uh, by us taxpayers to develop uh, new medical uh, drugs. Uh, they're going to be used allegedly to you know, solve medical problems. Hopefully, they're going to do that. A lot of people don't realize guys like Fauci actually have patents. And then those same guys that have patents on certain drugs direct billions of dollars in research to determine which drugs are actually going to be uh, you know, researched and explored. In other words, their own drugs. Right. So it's a massive conflict of interest. We're going to dissect that today. But first, let's go back to this issue of the flow of foreign money, uh, particularly this really interesting uh, donation of more than $100 million from a Chinese company that her- occurred at a very mysterious time. This is related to some emails that were released released and a subsequent letter that uh, Senator Rubio, who's a uh, the vice chairman of the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee, sent to Harvard asking questions. Yeah. And so you have, I think you have to give Senator Rubio a lot of credit on this because uh, he's been, I think, very strong and is talking about China in a way similar to, I think, how you talk about it and in a way that I think is, a, is an emerging tone with people that recognize that China is not just uh, another country, but they're a competitor. But so yeah, this is all information he's asking to find out about some, a system of kind of donations and communication because we had some FOIA documents just recently revealed. They looked at the communications between Dr. Fauci and other people in early 2020. So we're talking about late January, early February. We're just learning about just learning about COVID and kind of what has happened. And so this guy, um, George Daly, the dean of the Harvard Medical School, writes an email to Dr. Fauci. Right? Yep. This is early 2020. This is like February, early 2020, and he says, "Alan Garber, Harvard's provost, and I met yesterday with a team led by Jack Jia, who is the CEO of China's Evergrande Company." And Dr. Jack Liu, Evergrande's, or Evergrande's chief health officer, he writes. Yeah. Um, and he's referring to him as Tony. And he's like, hey, I just want to know if you have any information you're willing to share on your current efforts to coordinate a response. Now, um, here's an important thing to note. So Evergrande is this kind of weird Chinese company. It used to be like the cat's meow. It was a really dominant and important thing. Massive company. Uh, yeah. for, you know, real, the Chinese real estate company. But we sort of joke because they also ran, dabbled in pig farming and they sold bottled water. And, like I don't <laughs> they did everything. Like I'm not buying bottled water from a company that's in pig farming business. Well, and here's my question: Is the letter refers to the chief medical officer yeah. of this company? So a company that's doing pig farming, bottled water, and real estate development has a chief medical officer. But even more to the point, uh, in that communication. Uh, the guys from Evergrande are asserting that they are approaching Harvard and they want to talk to Fauci. Uh, on behalf of the Chinese government official responsible for COVID coordination. Correct. And so I think, you know, the key thing to remember there is now Evergrande and Harvard have a long history, at least a decade plus of partnering and, and China's been giving Harvard a lot of donations and Evergrande specifically. So there's Evergrande, Harvard centers there. And so it's not unique in the sense that they would be doing that. But that was also at a very different financial time for Evergrande. They're in a much worse position from a portfolio standpoint now. It's actually considered that they're one of the threats to China's bank, just all the debt that they have. Right. So they're not necessarily in a position as a company. It's not a healthy company financially. But, but that's where the whole China business model thing comes in hand, right? Because it's not, are we only drawing out of the Evergrande bank account? Are we drawing out of like the China mm-hmm. national bank account to make this donation? Yeah. But here's the thing. So it, it's weird kind of that Evergrande's reaching out to Fauci to be like, hey, what do you know? What do you want to right. tell us? 
about what this is happening with this well, COVID and, stuff. And, and to be clear, Evergrande is contacting Harvard Medical School, right? And they're saying we want to donate. We're pledging one hundred and fifteen million dollars to Harvard Medical School to work on various uh, medical issues. Oh, and by the way, could you do <laughs> us a favor? And Harvard Medical School, could you connect us? Right. With Anthony Fauci. Now, Fauci's dealing with a lot of stuff. People are still trying to figure out what's going on in COVID. But here's the interesting question. It's at precisely this time that an internal debate at NIH and in the federal government has emerged as to, is this actually a lab leak or is this a natural occurrence? And as this donation is arriving, um, there are emails that have come out that that several people around Fauci, close to Fauci, believe that this is actually uh, the chance. The odds are very high that this is a lab leak. And this is all stuff we're having to infer based on the tone and tenor of these emails that Fauci is sending to various colleagues at this time. But he sends one email and it's like very quick, like, hey, like you have work that's got to be done today. Make sure you see this report. Right. And then so the person he sent that to is named uh, Christian Anderson. Yeah. And he responded with an alarming observation. This article talks about about the new virus galloping around the world. Quote, the this is something he, he says in yeah. internal communication. Right. Yeah. This is like the day before he gets, you know, this whole donation talk gets started. So this is internal NIH talk. One of the scientists there says, hey, the unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome and show that some of the features potentially look, and this is the key word, engineered. Mm -hmm. So like that is the whole, from a lab leak standpoint, like that's the language that NIH was alarmed by, they're concerned by. Right. And unrelated note, here comes Harvard. We just got a $115 million pledge from China. Oh, by the way, we'd now like to talk to NIH. Yeah, they want to talk to NIH. And so the timing here is really important. Again, this is early 2020. There's all these questions about the origins of COVID. Is this man-made, a lab leak by China? Is this a natural occurrence? There are emails that indicate several important people in NAH senior officials are saying to Fauci, we believe this has components that makes it look engineer. You've got this Chinese uh, company that is that is going to Harvard saying we're reaching out on behalf of the man in charge of COVID response with the Chinese government. We're going to give you $150 million, hook us up with Fauci. And the evidence is based on the emails that Fauci actually does engage with these guys. And then something really interesting happens publicly. What does Fauci do almost immediately after he, he has this conversation with these Chinese officials? By the way, initially, I just want to say you're doing such a great job of framing this and kind of restating it. Like, you know, if you wrote as well as you're doing today, dude, you would be killing it. <laughs> could, well, hey, we, I'm a man with a we, certain set of skills. We could fire three of our editors. You know? <laughs> but but this, this is crucial. Fauci at this point is yeah. getting internal communication. There's debate within his own camp. Right. Senior signed officials. And Fauci immediately after he takes his call from from Chinese uh, uh, officials, yep. starts working on these efforts to squelch discussions. And they say, absolutely not. There's no evidence, like almost to the day that, right. they, that the NIH finds out that they're making this donation to Harvard. NIH then says, and three days previously, when they're sending an email saying, hey, man, this thing looks engineered, right. they've completely reversed themselves and now say, no, 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 that's a crackpot theory. That's a fringe theory. There's no evidence of that. It's clearly something that has you know, done the zoological spillover or whatever the term is. Right, exactly. And so what's interesting in this context Which is- Shout out to Jan, John Stewart. He's like, no, a, a mandolin made it with a, <laughs> with a squirrel. <laughs> That's how it happened. That's the best John Stewart you can do. That's his, it's, it's, 
I'm not a good impression. So yeah, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm even worse than you are. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But um, so here's what's interesting. This $115 million pledge. You say, oh, they're just giving the money to Harvard. It's very interesting when you look at the major gifts that are given to American universities by Chinese companies. They tend to be different than those provided by American donors. Um, C.J. Menard, who's a development consultant, he's worked with Harvard and Boston University, He says Chinese donors often do attach strings to their donations. In China, donors tend to be more transactional. There is the expectation of a quid pro quo. So what may be happening here, we don't have direct evidence, is that the Chinese government with this Chinese company reaches out to Harvard. Harvard is interested in the money. They want a conversation with Fauci. Harvard is putting their imprimatur on it at Harvard Medical School. There's a conversation that occurs with Fauci. And then suddenly Fauci essentially puts his thumb on the scale and says, no more internal discussion. He goes public and says, this is a conspiracy theory, even though some of his own advisors and emails the day before or 48 hours earlier had been saying, we think this is is likely what happened. And it's the same concept we've actually talked about in the last few episodes as far as, you know, we talked about Saudi Arabia and how they're being accused of sports washing by funding this new upstart golf tournament or buying the Newcastle Soccer Club. Um, I mean, in a sense, right, I think you could say that China was essentially trying to launder its reputation through Harvard University by saying, look, like, here's the thing, like, whether it's true or not, I don't think that we're prepared to say that it was engineered. But the point is, is that they gave money to essentially quelch and squash debate through the apparatus. And this is the crazy part of not just America's premier university, but America's like public health sector. Right. Right. The top right. doctors like, yeah, 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 exactly. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And when we look at issues of corruption, conflict of interest, cronyism, you always look at elements, you look at money, right? Show me the money. You've got to show some kind of tangible benefit. The second element is timing. And of course, the timing here is really, really suspect. And then the third component is, is there something that, that seems to occur in return for the $115 million in this case, and all of those elements are there. This needs more investigation, no question about it, but I don't think this administration is interested, obviously, because they themselves have also adopted this position uh, that there's no way that this is man-made. This is essentially just an accident. Uh, China's a victim every bit as much as the United States. And of course, Joe Biden and his family have their own China connections as well. Well, they absolutely do. And I think you have to give credit to Marco Rubio. This is a quote from his letter, and this speaks to the business model, right? Right. I think, again, there's a an emerging consciousness of the reality of how China does business. And Rubio's quote is, quote, given Harvard University's long history of working in China and interacting with PRC officials, I would expect that you and others in the university's leadership would have seen Evergrande's outreach for what it was, a CCP attempt to obscure the origin of the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 and absolve itself of responsibility for having caused the worst pandemic in a century. So, I mean, he's saying it for what he believes it to be. And it's funny, you mentioned the Biden and their family connections with China. One thing that's allegedly going to occur if you see the halls of politics change in November, right? If you see Republicans take over the Senate and the House, then they said that they'll conduct investigations and use the subpoena power into Hunter Biden's finances and other Biden family arrangements in China. I would imagine they'll do the same thing here. They will yeah. actually conduct investigations. Senator Ruby, right now, I think all he can do is kind of write letters, right? Right. But I think at some point, no, if you, we will actually get some bipartisan consensus. Also. And I guess that's the question. Why wouldn't it be a bipartisan thing to try to truly vet the origin of 
the worst virus, the worst yeah, pandemic it, in a century. Yeah, you know, it's the crazy thing. Things have become so politicized that if if uh, a Republican like Rubio pushes an issue, the reflex reaction of so many Democrats, unfortunately, is to say we're going to stake out the opposite position. Um, and the bottom line is that there have been some Democrats in the Senate that have actually been good on certain parts of China. Uh, but when it comes to this stuff, it's so highly uh, uh, explosive uh, a, topic, a subject because you're basically saying that our federal government in various ways has covered up the largest pandemic that we have faced that shut down our economy that has killed close to a million people, as Rubio put it. So we're going to get to the part about royalty statements in a minute, but let's talk about one other element of conflict of interest on this issue. So we talk about the fact that you had this $115 million that was pledged by this Chinese company, this sort of reversal, of course. Here's another interesting question on the lab leak theory, um, because the lab leak theory on COVID is essentially says that you had the Wuhan lab in China uh, that was doing gain of function research. In other words, they're creating these nasty uh, viruses uh, because they want to study them more effectively. One of the concerns about conflict of interest as well is that you have these scientists like Peter Daszak and others who are connected with Fauci. Fauci's provided funding to their organizations. And then Daszak has sent money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology right. to do this gain-of-function research. So here's the other conflict of interest, embarrassment. Yeah. If this actually is a lab leak, mm. you have the prospect that taxpayer dollars going through Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance was actually funding it and may have contributed to this lab leak. That's a massive conflict of interest. And one of the reasons why you shouldn't have Anthony Fauci deciding whether this was a lab leak or not, because he's conflicted. Right. Yeah. What incentive does he have? And this is kind of <laughs> to say, oh, actually, that was us. That's our yeah, fault. Yeah. There, there's a word here we're looking for. They used it in the Nixon years. Cover up. Right. <laughs> I mean, the prospect would be. Right if it's a lab leak, that this is actually a cover-up. Not just because of embarrassment. I'm th I think they might find a way to like rationalize it to themselves. That, no, no, no. It's important to maintain public confidence in the public <laughs> health institutions. If we admit that we funded right. the institution that created the coronavirus, right. Right. then they'll never listen to us on anything else That's about right. when you right. should wear a mask or anything yeah. else because then we become not just embarrassed, but we're complicit yeah. in the creation yeah. and distribution of this I, virus. I tell you, the best way to maintain confidence in the American health system is to lie to the American people. Right? Yeah. That's, That's always my... <laughs> That's my philosophy, generally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything's going terrific. Yeah. So we are discussing conflicts of interest uh, and, and potential corruption and cronyism. We think of it, as we said before, in terms of lobbyists, campaign money, private deals that politicians, family have. But this is a major problem with our scientific establishment. You know, Anthony Fauci declared, I am science. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he has powerful personal financial incentives. We've discussed some of them. We're going to discuss more to make the decisions that he makes and to couch them in scientific firms. This is a really interesting aspect of it. And that's the fact that guys like Fauci, Francis Collins, who ran NIH, uh, other senior officials in the government, they actually get royalty payments uh, for drugs that they design and patents. Uh, and then, of course, they are the ones that approve the actual scientific uh, studies that are funded by taxpayers to bring the drugs that they have designed to market. And this is why it's a big deal for, for several reasons. Number one, if somebody stands to make money off of a product that we're helping to fund, it, it does suggest like, are you are you funding that product because it holds the most promise 
for the actual medical advancement or you fund it because it holds the most promise for the advancement of your personal bank account. Right. And But then the second piece of it, and this is where it gets like incredibly personal, when you see things like what just came in the news where this, the city of New York has announced that they will mandate vaccines for children for them to be able to attend school in yeah. the fall. Yeah, unbelievable. Right? It's, it's a very, I mean, I know other places like I think California has mandated yep. them as well. But when you have entities like that do that partly based on what they're claiming is the science right. and you have some of the scientists making money off of the products that the scientists say you need to mandate uh then it, it further raises the question especially when you have people with like deeply held personal beliefs that think that they shouldn't be having to vaccinate their kids it just further erodes and undermines like are we really doing this in the best interest of the science or are there other factors at play yeah well as economists say incentives matter absolutely right? and there are incentives here and here's the problem fauci decides he's got billions of dollars to decide you know here are 20 promising drugs in a given area um he gets to decide which of those 20 are actually going to have scientific trials how those trials are going to be organized if he actually has patents on some of those drugs, you think he's going to favor his over somebody else's? Of course he is. It's ridiculous to, to think that he's not going to do it. Um, and there was actually criticism of Fauci back in 2005. Uh, the British Medical Journal um, condemned NIH and Fauci because it was discovered that Fauci had come up with patents. This is related to AIDS. Uh, and they were doing um, uh, research. They were doing trials. So they had people coming in that were suffering from AIDS. And they were taking Fauci's drug and it was never disclosed, according to the British uh, uh, Medical Journal, uh, to the participants that Fauci had organized the trial was actually going to get a royalty payment if this worked. Um, and this was highly offensive to the journal and rightfully so, right. because it shows the kind of conflicts that you were supposed to avoid. Um, here's the other part of this is crazy is we know that Fauci, we know that Francis Collins, a former NIH director, we know that Clifford Lane, who's Fauci's deputy, uh, have received royalty payments, but we don't know how much they <laughs> refuse to disclose how much money they're actually getting. That to me is the craziest part is like, it's one thing to say, okay, well, if, you know, if you already kind of work in the field and you can have some level of expertise and it's not unusual for people to make money in the industry that they've previously regulated. I think it is unusual for them to make money in the industry that they actively regulate. Right. But for them then to not have a financial disclosure requirement. I mean, let's think about this. The only reason why I even know that these conversations took place between Dr. Fauci and Harvard University officials are because of the disclosure requirements right. as mandated by law under the Freedom of Information Act, right? Transparency, what do they right. say? Sunshine is the best antiseptic. Yeah. And so when you don't have to disclose, when things are allowed to be kept in the dark as it relates to how much money and on what products these people are making, uh, then it becomes like wildly problematic. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I always hate it when people make the argument. It's kind of appeal to their authority. In Fauci's case, he's made this appeal to authority all uh, in, in all instances where he's challenged, where he says, well, I'm the head of this institution. I'm a medical doctor. How dare you question me? When anybody says you can't question me, I want to question them more. Right. Because if these are easy issues to handle, you should be able to handle them without an appeal to authority. And this is something that Fauci's done quite a bit. And the notion that he uh, is not conflicted because he occasionally wears a white lab coat, <laughs> even though it's more for visual because he's a bureaucrat. Like, yeah, did, you just come from the, did you just come from the operating room, bro? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You got those gloves? Scalpel, please. <laughs> At any rate, we've been discussing conflict of interest, which is a huge problem in our medical establishment. And it means that when our leaders are making decisions on very important issues 
related to our healthcare, the origins of the COVID virus, issues like uh, what are the solutions to the medical challenges we face. Unfortunately, they are conflicted and the response is to cover up and hide it actually then then actually respond to the criticisms and deal with it so final thoughts yeah i think it's an incredibly important issue and i'm sort of shocked that it didn't get more attention it's one of the reasons why i want to do a podcast on it today the idea that you know china i mean it's, it's a great plot right you've got like the villain of like the china thing you've got harvard so the complicit academics and you've got the you know the kind of guy who's trying to maintain his own image and dr fauci and you also have the most deadly pandemic of last century. So uh, it seems compelling. I'm surprised it didn't get more coverage. <laughs> it's, an, it's an amazing story. Well, you've joined us on The Drill Down. You can find our podcasts on thedrilldown.com or uh, at a whole variety of other locations where podcasts can be found. Thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to next time.